Welcome back to the 360 Preps uh, podcast. This is week three of our uh, podcast this fall. I'm Tim Martinez, assistant sports editor at the Columbian, joined here tonight by sports editor Micah Rice and reporter Andy Bueller. Um, and like I mentioned last week with this podcast, we're mixing things up and trying to find uh, exactly what our format will be for this. And this week we uh, have something new that we hope to continue throughout the fall. We uh, brought in uh, some of uh, our high school athletes uh, who are having the standout seasons uh, this fall. And this week our special guest will be uh, Kate Coons of the Washougal football. Uh, the Panthers are off to a 5-0 and start this year and have a big game coming up Friday against Hawkinson. And so we'll have Micah and Andy uh, chat with Cade and uh, learn a little bit more about him and uh, preview the game coming up on Friday. But you know, normally during the football season, when, when we look at the each week's schedule, we try to figure out you know was, which is the game of the week. Some weeks it's real easy, and some weeks it's really hard. And uh, this is a week when it's really difficult because we have so many uh, big games uh, interesting matchups and uh, uh, potential playoff ramifications, even though we're still in early October. Um, and so uh, we'll start off with the, the game that Andy's going to be going to on Friday, which is that Hawkinson-Washugal game. It's, uh, it's been a long, long time since Washugal's had a game uh, this important and uh, should be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. I was out of their practice yesterday and, and – uh Coach uh, Dave Hajek was saying that he had been talking to some of the community members uh, kind of around the school who, who normally don't come to games, and uh, a lot of them were expressing, hey, I'll, I'll be at the game this Friday. So he, he was kind of uh, expecting it to be one of, one of the uh, uh, best attended games in, uh, in the you know, recent era of the program. Uh, and, and on top of that, one, one of the best games facing a team that, that really blew Washougal out of the water last year. Right, and that's that's Hawkinson, and uh, they are again ranked number three in the Associated Press 3A rankings this week. Um, Washougal hasn't uh, quite cracked the top ten yet, um, but uh, a win this week and, and even uh, you know a solid showing could really kind of put the the Panthers on the map and, and get them ready. I know last year they made the playoffs for the first time in about a decade. Um, and really, at this point in the season, with four bids from the 4A graders and Helens moving on to the district playoffs, uh, the Panthers and Hawks are both in excellent shape right now. So obviously, uh, Hawkinson-Washougal is a big game in the 2A graders and Helens League. Uh, over in the 4A graders and Helens League, we have uh, Camus and Skyview over at Kiggins Bowl, the early game of the doubleheader at Kiggins. Um, Meg Wachnick will be out at that game for us, but actually I'll be out there as well. I'll be shooting some video. But uh, Mike, talk about uh, the papermakers in Skyview. It uh, it's always seems to be a, a big 4A GSHL game. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, what's so intriguing to me about this Friday's slate of games is I think this is the point in the season where you really start to see what teams really are. Uh, you know, we do all the prognostication in the preseason, and then we – try to deduce as much as we can from the non-league uh, part of the schedule where teams may be playing teams that we thought were good but end up not being so good or they end up uh, playing tight games against teams that turn out to be really good. Well, now we're in league play where teams kind of know each other and Camus and Skyview really do know each other. They're, they're always one of uh, two of these teams that are 
you know, fighting neck and neck in recent history for, uh, for that uh, uh, 4A Greater St. Helens League crown. And always the question was, is, is this going to be the year when someone comes up and knocks off Camus, which hasn't lost a, a regular season game and what, going on more than five years? Yeah, About this will be uh, six yeah. years. 2011 was the last uh, regular season loss for Camus. That was against Skyview when Camus was a 3A team and mm -hmm. Skyview was a 4A team. Uh, Camus hasn't lost a league game, I think, since 2009. Yeah, and so, so it, it, it's just who can stop the Camus juggernaut? I, I think most, uh, uh, most observers would say Camus is probably the favorite until someone actually rises up and, and knocks them off. Uh, we, we were not one of those in our preseason prediction. We, uh, we had this game this Friday circled basically from the moment the schedules came out. And the reason being is we knew Camus would still be good. I mean, they're Camus, come on. I mean, they, they always reload because they're able to just get kids in that system. The, you get a lot of backups that see a lot of varsity action during the course of a season that have you know, now become the next group of starters. And you look at Kyle Allen stepping into that quarterback position and you know, having a great start uh, uh, to, to his uh, season here. You know, and, but um, we looked at Skyview, and we looked at the defense especially and how many returners, returners with all league credentials, are, uh, are coming back on that defense for a team that uh, uh, reached the, the Class 4A semifinals and, and lost to, to eventual runner-up Richland. Um, you know, I, I am really eager to see can this defense be something for Skyview that that is able to flummox Camus, or is the Camus system just such a juggernaut that they'll be able to do what they do and and uh, once again stay a step ahead of the competition? Yeah, it's it's been a f uh, funky preseason or non-league season for the Storm. They, you know, won Week One against Sunset, and then they uh, played two top-ranked 3A teams and. Eastside Catholic and O'Day and had rough nights with them. But the last two weeks, they've looked really good against Mountain View and last week against Columbia River. And and uh, they had some injury problems, but that uh, presented an opportunity for new players to kind of step up. And we've started to see them get healthy again. And we're seeing uh, player other players stepping in and, and making major contributions. And so... Uh, so this is yeah this is obviously a big test for the storm and and uh, and uh, and yeah well, I think I'm you know it's a game I'm really looking forward to getting out and seeing. Well, I I, I think we've sort of seen this story from Skyview before. Uh, I, I feel like in a way we're seeing last year kind of repeat itself in some ways. Not exactly, but last year they also you know, they, uh, they they schedule a, a really tough non-league slate. They, they take their bruises, they learn from it, then they start to get a rhythm together. And, uh, and by the time last year's team hit the postseason, uh, they were a legitimate top four team. I, you, you can't take that away from them. The, the big question I'm going to be looking to see how, how it's answered is the quarterback position. Last year you had Brody Barnum who had, had some experience and, and uh, was able to be that senior leader uh, for, for the, uh, the Skyview football team that it really needed to kind of get it over the hump and into the, the semifinals there. 
is that leadership going to arise, whether it be from the quarterback position or from another position, maybe uh, the receivers or the defense or, or the line? I, I mean, I think getting, um, uh, get, getting everybody healthy is the big thing for the Storm. Right. And down in the 3A Greater St. Greater St. Helens League, uh, I think if you were to sort of circle the game that you were kind of looking at, it would be Mountain View and Kelso. Those two teams went one finished first and second last year in the league, and uh, they'll be meeting uh, on Friday at McKenzie Stadium, the second game of the McKenzie Stadium uh, doubleheader. Um, both teams have had some uh, injury issues at quarterback in the last few weeks. Uh, Kelso lost A.J. Hoggett uh, for an undetermined time. It probably might be a month or, or more, and they hope to get him back by the end of the regular season, if not potentially by the, the postseason. Uh, you know, I was at uh, Kiggins a couple weeks ago against Skyview when, when uh, Glenn Perry had to be helped off the field, and it didn't look real good, but he was back out there last week uh, helping the Thunder um, get a win over it was Lincoln's Bay. They beat Bay last week. And uh, so thinking that they're, you know, closer to 100% now. And, uh, you know, so this should be a game that could very well be determine who's the league champ well yeah I think it's definitely going to put one of those teams in the in the you know the in the penthouse pretty much for being able to be that team that controls its own destiny in the three agrarian St. Helens League uh, in the past few weeks I've seen Evergreen I've seen Prairie I've seen Hudson's Bay on any given night, I think that's a pretty even matchup between any of them. And I think all three of those teams have the ability to come up and maybe knock off a Kelso or a Mountain View. But um, you know, there, there's three playoff bursts uh, up for grabs and about five teams that can make a claim to saying we want to be or we feel like we should be one of those teams that moves beyond week nine. And so... It's a really intriguing league in that way, in that I think um, I, I don't know that there, there's really that big of a gulf between Kelso and Mountain View and the, and the other teams, but I, I could be wrong. And I think with a healthy Glenn Perry, Mountain View is just so dynamic on offense that, uh, that yeah, they're, they're going to be the team to knock off uh, or that someone's going to have to knock off. Uh, if they want to win the, the league title. But uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about, uh, number one, how good Kelso is without their experienced quarterback, Hoggett. And uh, uh, number two, what can Mountain View do if Perry isn't at 100%? Uh, how many other kids are going to step up and really be playmakers or carry the load for the Thunder? All right. You talk about how uh, there's not a great deal of spread between or that there's, there's five teams in the mix for those uh, – believe three playoff spots and another game this week uh Hudson's Bay versus Prairie up at District Stadium in Battlegrounds um that's a game that could I mean last year in this same or similar scenario uh if, if Bay beats Prairie well now you have the possibility being set up of another three-way tie come, oh, don't come, we love those <laughs> come, come down to you know after week nine but on the other side if prairie wins now they've got wins over bay and over evergreen which gives them tiebreaker edges and that really puts them in a really good position as they move forward and uh, uh would face uh, uh mountain view and kelso later on this this season so that's another uh interesting game to see 
uh, how teams respond. And I kind of think, uh, looking at that game, it's it's going to be uh, a mistake game. Mm. You know, it's, the, it's the, the the team that can limit mistakes. Because both teams have had, uh, you know, some issues with with penalties and turnovers and stuff that really kind of help, uh, or even on the special teams that kind of help either spark them positively or negatively. And I think that's a game that will come down to. Uh, big plays and limiting mistakes. Oh, definitely big plays. I mean, that's what struck me. Uh, we, we knew Hudson's Bay was going to have that explosive ability with some of the playmakers they have. Uh, Marco Cadiz being back 100% now is is huge for them. Uh, Julio Vara is having an excellent year at a wide receiver. You know, they can, they can score from anywhere on the field. Uh, I was really impressed in seeing Prairie last week just how potent that offense is. You know, they have a first year, or a, not a first year, a new offensive coordinator in Mike Peck, who was the the uh, the OC for Battleground uh, prior to that. But I was just really impressed with their quarterback, uh, Jason Maddox, out there and how he's able to involve so many different people in the offense, not only uh, – spraying it around I think he completed balls to seven different receivers in the win over Evergreen last week but uh, uh, he can run the ball too and he he probably had two of the better executed quarterback read option runs I've seen all year uh, that that went for uh, uh, one went for a 10-yard touchdown the other earlier in the game I think went for over 20 yards and a touchdown just you know kept that ball in the in the in the pocket of the running back for a good two seconds and then right when everybody crashes on him whoop pull it out and he's gone going around the the edge of the the line there and so i i think prairie probably has more offensive explosiveness than they've certainly had in 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 recent seasons and that's why i think that's going to be a really intriguing game against hudson's bay right uh, prairie a couple of weeks ago i had uh, you know played a really good defensive game against black hills but uh uh, had problems, you know, on special teams, given a big spice on special teams. And, and Bay certainly has that explosive, you know, Quadris Teague had two kickoff returns for touchdowns last week. And so they actually had, they have uh, a lot of weapons there. So, and another, uh, you know, key game uh, is down in the Trico League with uh, Le Center uh, hosting Stevenson. Um, Stevenson got a win last week against uh, Seton Catholic, which technically wasn't a league game because uh, Seton's playing an independent schedule. But um, still was a, a key win for the Bulldogs. And the center is kind of like the 1A version of Skyview. They go I was out. just thinking, they, we've seen this before. They, they <laughs> load up the non-league schedule. They had to play Hawkinson week one. They had to play Woodland. And, and you know, things were 0-2. You know, but now they get into their uh, the league schedule and, and some other teams in the non-league. And now they're 3-2 and, and, and looking really good and getting healthy again. And that's the, I think that's a, a big thing, especially – with a, a small school. Well, and, and I think, yeah, I, I kind of chuckled when I saw some of those uh, early season Associated Press statewide rankings at the 1A level where, oh, guess what, La Center, they lost to a really, really good 2A team, and then they lost to, you know, another team that they played up against. And it's like, oh, well, La Center, they, we got to drop them out of the rankings. I was like, People, the center hasn't gone anywhere. They're going to be here yet. They're going to be there when the Trico League 
title is d decided, they're going to be there probably going pretty far into the postseason. So I, uh, I, I am very eager to see them kind of continue to do what, like you said, Tim, they've done before, where they take their lumps early, they learn, they come together. And so, I mean, John Lambert doesn't play to win in week one or two. He plays to win in week nine, 10, and 11. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, again, lots of good games going on this Friday. And uh, with the, the staffers that we have uh, here at the Columbian and our team of correspondents, we're going to be out as, as many as we can and, and get them all covered. Um, and uh, we're, we're looking forward for a big weekend and uh, particularly out at uh, Washougal where they're expecting a big crowd for that game against Hawkinson. And so uh, now we'll, we'll move to our uh, discussion with Kate Coons from Washougal. All right. For the next part of our podcast, we are uh, really happy to have a very special guest with us, uh, Cade Coons, the senior running back and linebacker for the Washougal Panthers, is nice enough to come and join us down here at the Columbian. And uh, Cade, you got a big game coming up this Friday. Uh, you, you said the uh, the schools, there's a little bit different feeling around Washougal High School uh, this week leading up to the showdown against Hawkinson. Just tell me what it's like at, at school this week. Uh, it's a it's a completely new environment. See, the last uh, like twenty or so years, we haven't had a team go five and zero. So, in our era, I guess of our our lifespan, we haven't. It's just it's just a new thing. We've always had canvas right next to us going five and zero, ten or nine and zero, and over and over again. And we finally have a good group coming through, so that's pretty special. Is is there like a different feeling in the hallways or people kind of coming up to you and talking about the game and the team and uh, especially after a a big win like last week? Uh, yeah, I mean everybody, the football players definitely have a different type of respect, I guess. I, everybody, I don't know, everybody come, yeah. You know, it, it's one thing like you mentioned, Camus. They're right next door. They've established a culture for a long time where every year there's that expectation that they're going to be competing for league titles and and uh, wanting to go deep in in the state tournament. Um, it hasn't always been that way at Washougal. Yet your group, you're, you've been in charge of kind of a, trying to establish that culture. What what that what's that like trying to establish a winning culture versus coming in as a freshman where that culture already is? I guess it's just the work ethic. Uh, we've always had a strong work ethic, the, the group of us. We've always worked very hard together. Uh, we work hard in the weight room, conditioning, whatever it is. So it's it hasn't really been like a change for us because we've always just had that same work ethic. So you kind of knew coming in the, what needed to be done. Uh, who are the teachers that kind of taught you the way, the, the right way to go about things that, that's now paying off so well? Like coaches? And yeah, coaches and, and people as who are coming up as a, a young football player. Uh, well, we all had our dads who, they all played football, you know. Uh, and I don't know, they just, all of our dads were honest all the time about football and stuff and just school and stuff. So they've... Our parents, I guess, in just general, they're just all we just all have great role models. Parents, what's your earliest football memory? Maybe back to Pee Wee days or something. Uh, <laughs> my second game of Pop Warner was actually against the Racanelli's brothers. Really? Uh, yeah, I ran a uh, it's like probably 60 yard uh, reverse against that their team. It was my first touchdown ever. That's my first memory. So you're hoping for a little bit of history repeating itself on Friday then? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You know, um, 
what uh, I, I've heard you talk about, you have a pretty close connection with, uh, you know, with, with some of the other seniors on the Washougal football team. Uh, uh, Ryan Stevens, you've been playing with him for a while. And uh, who are some of the guys that you kind of grew up playing with? Uh, and and what, what do you remember about growing up together with them? Uh, I've grown up, I've actually grown up with pretty much all of them. Uh, Ryan, he's pretty big now. He's probably 5'11", 6 foot, and 190 or so. But he was he used to be tiny. And then Max Churchman, he's one of our receivers. He hit puberty in, like, fifth grade, so he was huge. Nice. <laughs> uh, and then Jack Lindell, Aiden Bristol, Ian Harris, they've always been the goofballs. They're, they're, they're hilarious. They're fun to have around. And Nathan Toffel and Grant Lewis, uh, they're meatheads. <laughs> it, it seems like you guys kind of you, you're you're serious or focused, but you kind of keep it light and and loose around there. What, what kind of stuff do you guys do to kind of maybe break the grind and keep everybody uh, you know having fun? I don't know. There's a, uh, I wouldn't say we ever really break the grind, other than when we're not in practice. Uh, we 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 get at each other a lot in hitting drills or whatever it is. Like, there's always competition between us. But uh, outside of school, we're always joking around, and it's a it's a great time. What do you guys like to do? Video games, fishing? Yeah, you know, we, what? yeah, we like to fish, uh, fish, bonfires, just hang out, whatever, yeah, whatever we can do. Now you, you've put on a little bit of muscle since you know you talk about guys getting bigger. Uh, you know you, you're running with a much more uh, physical style. How's that different when you hit the hole now versus when you were younger and maybe more of a speed shifty type of guy? I mean, I've I've put on weight and I I carry a bigger punch, I guess. But really, our linemen this year just they are on top of it. They know everything about the plays before it happens. They know where the stunts and everything, even on the defense. So it's uh, really it's, it's just follow the blockers, wait for them, and then find a hole and go. Who's the strongest lineman? Uh, Ian Harris. He's yeah, he's pretty he's pretty strong. He's not the biggest. He's probably close to 200 pounds and like 6'2", but he's strong. Andy, you're working on a, a story on Cade that you can read in, in tomorrow's Columbian, the, the, the Thursday edition, and read it online as well at Columbian.com. Uh, you've gotten to know a little bit about Cade and, and the, uh, uh, the Washougal football program. Uh, uh, why don't you, you kind of talk about uh, the process of reporting this story? Yeah, this is the uh, Cade Coons media, 24-hour media tour. <laughs> I guess 48 if you include the game on Friday. Uh, <laughs> But no, no, it was uh, fun to be out of practice yesterday and just see you guys. It was a defensive day, so uh, I could tell a lot of a lot of emphasis on uh, on the DBs uh, preparing for for Hawkinson on Friday. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just really interesting to to learn about about UK and and uh, you know especially um, I liked how uh, it was, Coach. You were, you mentioned that it's um, you, know, you guys had the uh, season where you broke the the nine-year playoff drought last year and you know it's you wanted to make sure that that wasn't just an anomaly and so there seems like there's a core group of, of juniors last year and now your guys' senior class that that said that are trying to like you know like was mentioned earlier create this winning culture and uh um yeah it was just you know it's just interesting to to kind of hear about about how you guys have done that you know what what do you want your class's legacy to be what, what do you want the freshmen in the program to remember about what you guys are doing and, and what you've been able to establish there at, at Washougal uh well like when I was a freshman like 
the culture was completely different. There wasn't, I mean, you go to the weight room, there was probably a quarter of the team in there. I want everybody in the weight room, everybody at everything, uh, just to know that it's, it's a big deal, not just to the team, but the whole town. What's it like during one of those lifting sessions? I mean, do you guys blast music or are the people around as someone tries to maybe set a personal best in the bench or the squad? What, what, what's it like in the Washougal weight room? Uh, our co- coach D, he's our, he's our weightlifting coach. He used to be a personal trainer. Uh, so he, he usually has pretty, like, crazy heavy metal music going that kind of gets us going. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably one place where we do goof around sometimes, which is kind of bad. But, uh yeah, I mean it's it's all fun. We everybody works hard. Everybody's got got, got a good sweat going. Uh, so yeah. yeah. What are you up to to benching and and squatting right about now? Uh, my bench probably like two sixty five. My squat is low fours. Wow, that's why you're hard to bring down, <laughs> along with your linemen, of course. <laughs> Now, uh, so you put on 15, 20 pounds uh, in the off season. Um, last, a lot of that you you were saying was because you didn't play basketball in the winter and, and just completely took that time to be in the weight room every day. Um, did you feel like uh, uh, talking about kind of culture? Were 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 there? Was it just you? Were you the only football player that was putting in that work in the off season, or was there a kind of contention of you guys? Uh, no, everybody was. Uh, I don't. Blake Webb, he's he's a new D line. He didn't even he hasn't played since like fifth grade. So, but he's he does wrestling, and so he was doing wrestling while the rest of us were working out. Uh, and then Jack Lindell and Max Churchman, they both hurt their knees, so it was kind of an upper body time for them. But yeah, everybody was in the weight room quite often. Ian Harris, he's probably put on twenty five pounds, and he's he's strong. When uh, when did you guys know that that this year would be? Uh, could be as, as special as, as it has been so far? Yeah, we've always known it. I mean, we've always been a special group, that group that stayed together since we were young. Uh, so in the freshman year, we, I mean, freshman year we did good. Uh, sophomore year, me and Jack Lindell were the two sophomores that didn't play any JV or anything. And then junior year, like, broke the nine-year drought. And then this year, we're 5-0. So we just, it's just kind of, we've always known it. And then last at the end of last year is when we really really hit the grind yeah because i mean you talk about breaking through and breaking that nine-year drought um you know did the focus for this year really start at the end of last year when and and what was that like getting that postseason experience and what lessons have you taken from last year that you're now putting into into practice today uh focus so I wouldn't say last last year, like going to junior. I wouldn't say that there was a lot of us that weren't super focused going into it. Like we we knew we were good, but we didn't. We just cared about school and like ex- other activities, I guess. Uh, but then we had all the moments. We lost. We went 0 and three. Then we won our like last five of six regular season games, and then we played Tom Water. Uh, but really, we didn't Tom Water. We just kind of forgot about it and just kept with the momentum from the regular season going into uh, the off season and really it's never we've never lost it spring our uh, spring camp was phenomenal we haven't just broke that momentum momentum has been the key for us we've always been a team that strives off confidence and momentum is there a different energy at a playoff game for you guys down the sidelines than there was during regular season did, did that really stand out or 
I mean, it was Tom Water, so yeah, yeah, yeah it, that's a tough. It was it's a, it a tough was a one. Yeah, it was a different experience, definitely. But I wouldn't say anything really dramatically changed for us. Yeah. What's What's next for you? I mean, after the season, you know, what What kind of stuff are you you looking to do beyond uh, beyond Washougal High School? Uh, I'd love to play football at the next level, uh, and then uh, my dad is a mechanical engineer, so I'll probably just follow in his footsteps. Wow, was he work on planes, trains, automobiles? Uh, he worked, I don't really know. He works with like a, I don't even know. It's like, it has something to do with, uh, what's it called? What's uh, CenturyLink? He's getting, he works for CenturyLink now. Oh, so yeah. he does something for them. I, I don't really know what it is exactly. Something probably, you know, that only the smartest people yeah, understand, he, but yeah, make make those uh, those telephone lines work and, and make it so all of our lives become easier. Yeah, he's worked on a bunch of the uh, NFL stadiums, actually. Really? Yeah. It's yeah cool. Going up there and setting up communication systems? or, or I think like, he just, he just uh, supervises, but, yeah, so he's gotten to be inside of, like, the Green Bay Packers and Pittsburgh and a couple other places. So oh, wow. Cool. Have you got to tag along for any of those? No. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets to see the super secret areas <laughs> and everything. Well, do you, uh, do you have anything else to add to well, Cade, uh, you know, best of luck this Friday and, and beyond. Uh, you know, it's a special season for, for Washougal football, and uh, we'll be looking forward to following it uh, all the way as, as far as it goes. And, uh, you know, we're as, we're as excited as I think anyone that will be at Fishback Stadium on Friday because uh, that's going to be a fun one. Mm. Do you, what do you expect the atmosphere to be like? Uh, I think it's going to be the most people we've ever had at a game at Fishback. Uh, we've already got plans for how we're going to seat everybody there. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of people there, I hope. And, yeah, so it's a good halftime show, I think, is going to be on. And then, uh, yeah, it'll just be a fun atmosphere. Good game. Get there early. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cade, thank you very much. Thanks, Cade. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're back here, and we're going to talk about some of the other sports, uh, particularly uh, volleyball and girls' soccer, which um, are now probably about a quarter moving towards halfway through their league season. And uh, last night, uh, it's kind of like the same situation with Friday football, where we had all these very interesting matchups and, uh, and, and games that came down um, to the wire. Um, I'm going to start down at first at uh, 2A soccer, where last night, um, so Richfield and Hawkinson played. They played a 3-3 draw, and it was a back and forth. I was kind of following on Twitter. Uh, you know, it was 1-1, you 2-1, know, 2-2, 2-3, 2-3, 2-3, and it ended up going to penalty kicks, and Richfield uh, prevailed. And I, as I was looking up at, and updating the standings, I was like, oh, and Richfield's 3-3 three three in that league. And, and that's pretty much what the 2A GSHL soccer for girls soccer is. It's teams beating up on each other throughout the regular season. And uh, you always know it's going to be a, a sort of a scrape and battle down to the, the, the finish there. So right now, Hawkinson and Columbia River top the standings. It's 5-1. and one. And then we've got three teams at 3-3 three and three that include Richfield. Um, and so, you know, and the other thing to look at it too, and, and this is you know something that you, that the 4A Greater St. Helens League and the 3A, they, they they include ties. And but the other leagues, 2A and 1A, they go to penalty kicks. And the theory behind this is just different leagues have different thoughts on this. 
So the 4A and the 3A think that it's better that ties are okay. Ties are a part of soccer. And so the league season is like a, you know, a 12-game round robin kind of situation, and ties are part of soccer. And you get a better uh, understanding of what the standings should be with ties. Other leagues believe that you should go to penalty kicks because when you get to the playoffs, there are penalty kicks. And they want to be able to have give their teams experience going through that pressure situation so that they're prepared for the district playoffs and state playoffs. Uh, Andy, you, you got thoughts about penalty kicks, not penalty kicks, or you know how how that's going? Because like Camus and Union, they they just played to a one-one draw. Right. I mean, I, I think especially when you look at the the regular season and league play um, at the professional level, uh, you have um, penalty or you have. Uh, I should say uh, draws are, are a part of soccer, a very big part of soccer. And and I think for the casual fan, um, playing to a 1-1 draw will not bring in any new viewers to the sport. <laughs> um, so from a soccer purist standpoint, I think that, um, you know, draws are, you know, I buy into the whole, you know, draws are a part of soccer. And, and you're going to you're gonna get a, a better idea of, of uh, where teams are at, um, you know, if you include that as a part of it. Um, that being said, um, that is a good point. You know, you get to the playoffs and uh, you're in a about as high of a pressure situation as uh, as there as there will be for your entire season when it's you know win or go home. And the only time you realistically have practiced PKs is in practice that week. I mean, you're not practicing right. PKs on a regular basis during right, the season. Right, and it's a completely different scenario. Right, and yeah, and and so and so it it really can kind of. Uh, uh, toss things up as far as um, you know. But one of the biggest uh, criticisms of PKs is that it's not. Uh, it doesn't truly decide who who the better team is right. because it's 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 so so different than than uh, you know than than the ninety minutes uh, the, uh, gameplay. That being said, um, it does m sure make for an exciting match when it comes down to PKs. Uh, so you know I I. I don't really lean one way or the other. I, I think it's interesting that, that these uh, leagues have, have taken kind of different stances, and that um, uh, and and if I was a player, I would certainly uh, I would certainly enjoy uh, going into uh, the postseason having had a a game with PKs uh, under under my belt, or if I'm a coach, um, so that you know this season doesn't come down to and is decided by something that that they you know haven't seen. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, one of the other uh, matches last night with Camus and Union, and we were, you know, we had, a, we had to make a decision about where we are going to send our photographer, send, our, send a, uh, a reporter out. And so we had Camus Union Volleyball and then Camus Union Soccer, and they ended up both being uh, uh, great matchups. And so Camus uh, Union ended up with a 1-1 draw in soccer, uh, which actually leaves Skyview alone in top of the standings. They're, they're actually 2-0, but... I don't believe that uh, um, Skyview has yet to. Well, they haven't faced both Camus or Union. I don't even know if they faced either one. I haven't. Can't even remember what their uh, previous league game would be. So, um, so still lots of things to happen, uh, and they're gonna. They're about two or three matches, depending on the team, into their league uh, schedule. So, um, so lots of big games coming up in the 4A Greater Than Hills League and. Uh, Three A Andy, I think you, you can went out and saw was it uh, was it Prairie and uh, Evergreen Evergreen last last week, and so you look at those standings and you know uh, 
Prairie's on top, Mountain View, uh, 10 points, Kelso 10 points, and, uh, you know, Evergreen's down at one and three, but they're, they're not a bad team. And, and, and obviously it's, it's going to be kind of a, a situation that teams need to be ready for everybody in that league to uh, keep themselves uh, atop. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Evergreen was certainly um, stressing after the game that, that uh, they're a younger team who's, who's uh, has a, a newer coach, um, who's newly kind of back to the back in the uh, at the helm there. Uh, Prairie was uh, kicking themselves for letting Evergreen um, into that game. It was uh, tied one one early, and and, and Prairie um, separated themselves uh, at, at the very end. Um, but yeah, no, it, you know certainly. Uh, th- that just goes to show um, that you know ev- every game, you know, really I mean, anything can happen. And, and uh, Evergreen certainly, even though they're at the toward the bottom there, um, they they have the weapons to uh, to you know pull off a win like that. And looking over at vol, well, actually, let's stick with soccer for one more sec because tomorrow night you're heading out to uh, Le Center and Kingsway. Um, both those teams are currently atop the Trico, uh, both 2-0 and early into the, the league play. Um, actually, uh, if you looked at the schedule, it looks like Columbia White Salmon has dropped their program because they're not playing uh, league matches, so they must have had a, a numbers issue. So it's just five teams in the league. Uh, those two teams have typically led the way in that league, uh, but Kingsway, different situation this year. Um, Mackenzie Ellertson, who I uh, been the top player in that league the last two seasons, uh, will miss her junior year. She has a back injury that's going to uh, keep her out, and so uh, they're looking for new people to step up and fill the gaps. And uh, so tomorrow will be kind of an interesting uh, matchup: La Center at Kingsway for first place in the Trico, and will give us a real indication as to uh, you know the Knights can still. Uh, keep things rolling, even without their, their star players. So that'll be interesting as well. Over in volleyball, uh, Mike has been our volleyball guy the last few years, going to state and whatnot. Um, uh, Camus Union, uh, Camus wins in, in four sets, but Union was missing a couple of injured players, so it kind of uh, uh, you know threw a, threw a little bit of a wrinkle in there. But, uh, but it looks like you know when those two teams meet again back in Union, I think it's... Uh, October 19th or something like that. It'll be an interesting matchup to see uh, who prevails uh, in the league and and and, uh, and going forward. So I think it looks like a good a good league balance going. Yeah, on. I mean, w- we knew that Camus would be a, a prime contender for the 4AGSHL volleyball title. Uh, they just brought back so many uh, pieces from from last year's team, especially Keely LeBlanc, uh, their their hitter that. Uh, uh, led the way in, in kills uh, uh, last night for them. And w- we knew that, uh, uh, that, that it was going to, but, but w- we knew it was going to be, uh, you know, the, the field would be ripe for someone to come up and be a, a challenger for uh, that league title and really give Camus a run for its money. And early in the season, uh, that team has been union. Um, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, Union knocked off uh, uh, Prairie earlier this year, which uh, Prairie, yeah. Prairie, uh, I- in my opinion, before uh, before the season, Prairie uh, probably is the best um, hope that Southwest Washington has for a team to make a really deep run 
at the state tournament. Uh, now, uh, of course, things change over the course of a year, but Prairie is, is still really strong, and Union showed that they belong with uh, that early season win. So when, when the Titans are all healthy, uh, I, th I think it's going to make that league, the 4AGSHL, really interesting all the way to the end because then, you know, Skyview isn't bad, and, you know, you, you have some other teams that are – uh, trying to kind of find their identity and and uh, step up and challenge as well, but I, I don't think you'll you'll be able to write anything in stone until the very end with that league. Right, and uh, down the the two way Greater St. Helens for volleyball, it looks like uh, Woodland and Ridgefield have kind of established themselves as the 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 top uh, teams in in that league. Basically, you have uh, Woodland's on top at six and zero, Ridgefield. Richfield five and one, and then Hawkinson at three and three, and then three teams at two and four. Uh, you were out there uh, recently <laughs> to to watch Woodland and Richfield go five sets. Well, uh, and it wasn't just five sets when Woodland and Richfield caught you. It, it was five of the closest sets that I can remember. I think uh, the 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 most lopsided set was decided by three points. I mean, and, and I, I think four of those sets went uh, beyond the, you know, the uh, they went beyond the 25 or, or the 15 in the in case of the fifth set because they were just so evenly matched. And so that, that league is just going to be fun. And uh, I think you, you have a, a really interesting uh, situation with, uh, which is, programs that have been to the state tournament and done well in Ridgefield and Woodland, but yet programs that are really finding kind of uh, themselves on the cusp of a new era. Um, last year, Ridgefield was quite senior-laden. Uh, Matty Harder was, was the heart and soul of that team. This year, um, you know, you have Annika Nickel, who, uh, uh, who is the, uh, the leader of that team, but they're really deep, and uh, they're very well coached with Sabrina Dobbs. Woodland has a, a first-year coach in Daniel Hutton taking over for the legend uh, uh, Jeff Nesbitt, who was there for, for many, many years and had a, had a very long pedigree. But, you know, they, Woodland's best player might be a freshman, uh, ca uh, she's a captain, actually, Emma Sweat, and uh, you know she stands about six foot one. I think can uh, is a setter, can play at the net, can hit uh, when she needs to. Uh, I mean, I, I, I hate to kind of get ahead of ourselves and start crowning people before they've really done anything, but uh, I, I keep your eye on the freshman out at Woodland, uh, Emma Sweat. She is she is going to be really good. Well, it's, it's kind of funny to be talking here in the first week in October, but we're actually starting to wind down some of the fall seasons. Um, next week is district golf for 4A and 3A. Uh, the week after that will be the district meets for cross country and uh, then tennis. And uh, so things are starting to uh, reach uh, – reach the pinnacle of the the fall season real quickly here so lots of lots of things to keep an eye on keep covering and we'll be out there uh the rest of the fall and uh keeping track of uh of uh, all of these races as the, the fall season goes through so uh thanks again for joining us the 360 preps podcast uh, we'll be back uh, next week hopefully with another guest and uh with uh, more preps to talk about so thanks for joining